the Cinema for All podcast. The celebration of going to the cinema with Jack Chell and Abby Standish. Welcome to the Cinema for All podcast. I'm Abby. And I'm Jack. And we're your hosts. And thank you so much for joining us for another exciting episode. It's been one we've been storing and waiting to deliver you as a New Year present. We took a trip to Charlie Empire Cinema in Charlie and... It was a really wonderful visit. We got chatting to Estelle, who's been a volunteer there for many years, and she told us all the brilliant stories of the cinema that they run, the cinemas in Chorley from the past, and some of the special kind of uh, architectural developments in cinema from the history uh, of cinema since 1910. So we're super excited to present that to you shortly. Super excited. Real Stars Hollow episode. Estelle is an absolute font of information when it comes to community cinema and somebody who really, really loves their community and their hometown. So if you love cinema, you love community cinema, this is the one for you. Absolutely. She's our unofficial historian, but totally official in our eyes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But before we get started on that... Mm -hmm. The tables have turned because Jack Chell has been to the cinema more than me. I've been many times, many, many times. <laughs> Please take us through the journey of the times. Yeah, just like since January, appetite for going to the cinema is just like through the roof. Lots of uh, focus and attention span, which I don't seem to have any of in December. Um, so yeah, I've been to see some bangers. Uh, just last night, I went to see Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. <laughs> You've been so excited for this film. So excited for Uncut Gems because I love Adam Sandler. I don't care if he's been in some terrible, terrible films. He was in a couple of really good ones and I've never lost faith in him and he really, really does deliver in this film. They really, the directors, Benny and Josh Safdie, really bring out the best in him and he has so much to run with, really. He just talks constantly throughout the entire film. It's very high energy, high intensity. You'll have seen that in absolutely every review that you've seen of Uncut Gems, but it absolutely lives up to the hype. This is one that you have to see. And as prep for that, I watched a couple of Safety films um, that they've done before, which good time, good times, good time, good time um, on Netflix. Time. Um, which was great. It's a similar kind of high adrenaline, high intensity film, but less levity. There's a lot of levity in, in Uncut Gems. It's it's really funny in places, even if it's just like a little bit of a delivery. It's it's really lovely. And I watched um, Josh Safdie's first film, which is called The Pleasure of Being Robbed. It's on Mubi. Um, so it's still on Mubi at the moment. I think if you've got a Mubi subscription, you've probably got a little bit of time left, maybe a week left to watch that. Um, but that was fantastic too. It's a bit of that kind of early, uh, sort of mid-2000s, uh, mumblecore kind of film, a bit oh, of cool. a, a bit of a Lena Dunham vibe. It's not really like the rest of their their films, but it is really interesting starts. Um, and Josh Safdie's actually in it; he plays a character in it himself as well. So, so yeah, I was extremely pumped for Uncut Gems, and I will probably go and watch it again. To be honest, oh amazing! I'm really excited about it, and especially like you say, we were having a bit of a discussion about our love for Adam Sandler, the Sandman, the Sandman. Um, yeah, I'm just. I think I love it when an actor gets to flex a different muscle and um, a different director gets to trust them to do that, which is cool. I know. And it seems that maybe he's going to get a bit more respect. I know that the Academy overlooked him as they did everybody who's any yeah. good, to be honest, oh, this we, nomination window. some serious fire for Oh, you will get episode. that fire. <laughs> um, but he was he was really fantastic. It is a career best performance. It tops any other kind of serious work that he's done in films like Punch Drunk Love or The Mayowitz Stories, um, which was that um, Noah Baumbach film that was yeah. on Netflix a couple of years ago. But yeah, it's one where he's, he's, he's really is back on form and I hope that he gets cast in a lot of other really, really great stuff. 
Awesome. Mm. What else have you been watching? Well, the little women. The tiny ladies. The teeny tiny ladies. Miniature. They're so small and they are also wonderful. <laughs> We're just going to, let's take a breath because we love this film. Yeah, okay. Okay. What do you want to say? I have always loved little women. I had the book when I was a kid. I'm a Joe. Everybody's a Joe, but I'm a Joe. <laughs> And so I was very much looking forward to this film. Greta's my gal. So I was extremely hyped for this film. I did not expect it to let me down in any way. And it really, really didn't. It's magical. It's cosy. It's meta. It's modern. It's also traditional. It's everything I wanted it to be. It's got a stunning soundtrack. The cast is incredible. Laura Dern is she's my absolute favorite that I've seen her this year and she is having a stellar year I know that she's been nominated for Marriage Story which she's she's great in it's a bit more cartoony but as Marmy it's the one it's beautiful and seeing some things through her eyes rather than through the girl's eyes was really really special um I think that something that I've seen a lot talked about on the internet is the line where Marmy says she confesses to Joe how she feels about anger and that she's been anger every day of her life every day of her life and that's something that's not been any other adaptation and people kind of forget about that about kind of female rage and, and containment and just being kind of a breezy lovely mum but feeling feeling it all on the inside so so that was a really special angle of the adaptation um I don't want to say too much to spoil it but it was spectacular I also this is the only adaptation of Little Women I've seen where Amy is really fully rounded, a three-dimensional character. She's not just this whiny kid that you absolutely want to pull herself together because she, she's always whining about being left out and then she's being uh, peevish and nasty. And in this film, you see a little bit more about her reasons for that part of her characteristics. And she is much younger than the others. So Florence Pugh absolutely deserves all of the plaudits that she's won for this role um, because she's spectacular and she makes somebody who is um, a, a, a deeply unliked character throughout history be one of your absolute favourite portrayals really I could not agree more <laughs> like I've literally got butterflies in my stomach from like listening to you talk about it <laughs> and then just thinking it and seeing the film passing my vision as you, as you talk about it and I do get very emotional thinking about this film totally agree with everything you said um, it's a film I think that everyone could enjoy which is few and far between so from your really casual film goer to your adaptation lover to people who love the craft of film and also the analysis of film because just there's just so much to pick out and you feel the joy that's been poured into it from Greta from all the cast and how collaborative they are. There's great videos online about them blocking out scenes and what they're trying to establish with their characters and how they've worked together. And there's just things like I've noticed, so I've seen it twice now. Um, I saw it when it came out and then I took my parents to see it and I just want everyone, every single person I know to see it. Um, and the second time around, I just noticed all these other lovely things because I could relax because I hadn't read the book. I only knew a little bit about the story. So after seeing it the first time, I knew what was going to go on. And the second time, there's just little just gorgeous things peppered in which I won't say because I don't want to spoil the the story but um it's I love a film that can you can find things in seeing it a second time around again and um it just made me feel elated the film made me feel elated in so many different ways and I think the screenplay should get some 
light on it as well because obviously Greta adapted it, which is quite a feat to do and then direct it. But it's the only way it could work and I think it's amazing how she's done this adaptation, but it's very much Greta's voice at the same time yeah. as as uh, Louise um, Alcott's voice. Yeah. Um, and... I think what I really enjoyed about it is seeing a period drama showing lots of colour and fun and silliness and goofiness mm. as well as these difficult times that, that they were facing. And um, yeah, it's just very full. It's very full. I think you're right about the, the noise and the vibrancy is something that you don't normally see in a period drama. And there's um, many instances of the characters being extremely loud, talking over each other, tripping over each other, running between fil- b- running between rooms. And that's, that's really special. I think a lot of period adaptations are very, very stuffy. And what you say about the screenplay, I completely agree with, because obviously it's based on the book Little Women, but a lot of the additional elements, things that she's added to it, are from Louisa May Alcott's own writings. So um, it's lovely to see that too, and to see just how modern the language feels, but it's not. Yeah. It's not new. It's not new content. It's still based on the book. It's still language from the book, and it's language based from the author's writings from the from the same period. And it's it's magical to bring that to life for modern audiences and barely notice, uh, vocally or audibly, something stuffier. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Just please go and see it, and then tell us what you thought of the film. Yeah, at Cinema for All Pod on Twitter, we'd this, love to, to hear this from This is you. now a little women podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, a fairly a fair size, little the, size. Um, yeah. Uh, I also went to see a couple of older films um, at the pictures. I went to see uh, one of my absolute favourite films of all time, Umbrellas of Cherbourg, which oh, is you um, love it. I absolutely love it. Now, I haven't seen it in a very long time. I used to have a DVD of it and I'd only ever seen it on DVD and I'd only ever seen it on my teeny tiny sort of TV slash VHS combo in my student room that was really, really tiny and quite far away in the corner of the room. Mm-hmm. It's not really doing a film like that justice. It's absolutely glorious in colour and sound and everything about it. Um, it's truly one of the most perfect 90 minutes in cinema. And it's not just because it's a musical, which I adore. It, it makes you feel things so incredibly deeply. And I feel it's one of the most important examples that I can think of in my life and in cinema where you come out of it a person that feels more. Yeah. Like, Do you know what I mean? Exa- I know exactly what you mean. And I feel like since I've watched that film, I feel more connected to people. I feel more connected to emotions. And I've just walked through life with a different kind of levity which is bonkers it's just a musical from the 60s but it just has like really affected me and I'm carrying it with me um, for weeks afterwards that's so lovely that's really beautiful when you find films that affect you like that um and there's so much more than entertainment pieces and musicals are often seen as just pure spectacle mm. um but that that's so nice that you carry a film with you I love that idea mm. I feel like little women's like that as yeah. well Definitely. Oh man, we love film today. We love him, God. We're we love. Didn't you go and see Singing in the Rain recently? I did. So yeah, uh, obviously because the the BFI musical season's um, nearly finishing, and on New Year's Eve, after we went to visit Wendy at Hyde Park and uh, another mm. episode, which I recommend, slight little plug there. <laughs> um, we she told us that they do a double bill, and in December just gone, it was um, it was Umbrellas of Cherbourg and Singing in the Rain. Mm. And I did, couldn't go to both, unfortunately, but I went to Singing in the Rain and I'd seen it before. Uh, me and my friend went and it kind of just, y- you carry that film, it makes you, it carries you home, that film. Mm. It, it 
you spring in your step, the songs are so good, everything you know it is, but you just kind of can't help but grin seeing it in front of you again. And mm. it, it's like this wonderful, um, it's like someone reading back your thoughts to you of how, how good this film is. And right down to um, how kind of forward it was, how tongue-in-cheek and like how many winks it's doing and itself even before it's almost had its time period mm. it's strange and um lots of uh the, again a very full film every every um visual is used to its max capacity throwing just little jokes in there comedy tiny character bits which i absolutely eat up with a giant spoon mm-hmm. and the um i know that you hear that um gene kelly wasn't the greatest guy to work with during during singing in the rain no really um, apparently just because maybe that he just got angry and things but it was like a project that like nearly killed him mm. um i think and um i think you one thing even though you know he's amazing when you're just watching him you're like no you are incredible how does this like a broad man move around like fluid and flames and just is just so good and the songs and the the, it just radiates off him how much he loves these these crafts that sing and the dance and everything um but yeah i just absolutely loved it and it was a great way to just end the year and with a bit more of a of a, a cheer oh man, what good. an experience <laughs> it was great it was that's great. a perfect screening experience Okay, for our segment today, Jay and Abby went to visit Estelle at Chorley Empire Cinema in Lancashire, um, which is a fantastic volunteer-led cinema that's been running for oh many years now, since 1986. And it's a fabulous organisation. They screen films on a completely voluntary basis, which, as you know, if you're a regular listener of the Cinema for All podcast, there are groups like this all over the country. There's now 1,300 community cinemas all over the country. So if you want to learn more about community cinema, do go to our website, Cinema forall.org.uk we will help you but for now let's get into it Charlie is a town in Lancashire it's about 20 miles northwest of Manchester and it's as well as being the home of Charlie Cakes which we had some delicious it's also the home of Estelle Briars who is one of the volunteers and amazing people behind Charlie Empire Cinema the cinema first opened its doors in 1910 and over the years has faced many challenges very recently, it was announced that a brand new commercial cinema would be opening its doors near to Chorley Empire Cinema, and they were worried they'd have to close their own doors. However, thanks to Estelle and the power of the other incredible volunteers, there are no signs of it slowing down. Uh, I've never been to Chorley before, have you? I have not been to Chorley, no. I'm excited to spend the day in a cinema on this cold 1st of November. Yeah, it is horrible, but I think when, when this episode goes out, it'll be... Well, it's a long time. Yeah, uh, it probably it might still it, be cold. It will still be winter, but I mean, it won't be November. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna meet um, an unofficial but official in our eyes historian, essentially. Yeah, pro- um, proper informative local oh, historian. Yeah, exactly. Uh, who can tell us all about Charlie and, in particular, what cinema has been like in a place like this and what it what it means to a place like Chorley. So just a bit closer to Chorley Empire Theatre now. Now we've walked through the town, it seems like a really nice place actually. It does, yeah, it was really bustling actually. It was, it? busy, there's music. Friday morning. Yeah. What a miserable Friday morning. But I know, but people, the people are cheerful. Chorley, they were not miserable, were they? Chorley is cheerful. Chorley is cheerful. 
Um, okay. Going over this one. Oh, I think it's there. That, that looks like it, doesn't it? Behind the trees. <laughs> nice. nice. door on the corner. Yeah. Because the cell sent us pictures in the past of a screenings in the venue and stuff. And I always thought how like, lovely it looked. Yeah, I, I do recognise this exterior. I'm sure she's sent us before a photo of people queuing up. Queuing around the, right around the block. Yeah. It's quite an old building, I think. Yeah, lovely. Like, the, the red really stands out on the white. It's that classic sort of theatre. Yeah, in fact, I think she told us that this glass that we'll get a photo of, that, that's really old. Yeah. Estelle later told us that the glass was from 1910, hand-painted. It's absolutely gorgeous. The colours are lovely. And there's a picture on our website of it if you want to check it out. Here's Estelle. There she is, during lunch. <laughs> Hello. Look at that lovely new foyer. This is our beautiful new foyer. Oh, oh, right. Only just finished. All Halloween I like it as well. Oh yeah, we did um, Ghostbusters oh. last night. Oh, so great. we had Ghostbusters oh. and uh, we had one lady Ghostbuster which was me. Oh, oh. yes Estelle, <laughs> So yeah, lady Ghostbuster. And uh, this is the brand new foyer which has been the big thing we've been working on. It's great. Uh, I love the carpet. No, uh, oh wow, this is an incredible space. Look at my house. Welcome to my house. <laughs> what a beautiful home you have. Isn't she beautiful? Yeah. Look Isn't how she beautiful? I love this bright red sea. No, yeah, that was such a lot of fundraising. And again, that was uh, after 2009, we were constantly, okay, what can we do to keep this building running? What can we do to stop people from going somewhere else? Yeah. We want to keep them in Chorley. We want to keep them in Chorley watching films with the mates. We've got people who've seen me grow up from a toddler coming and watching films here. <laughs> Incredible. Know. We've got generational, we've got like, again, last night we had Ghostbusters. We had people who remember Ghostbusters at the time, mm -hmm. bringing the kids, bringing the grandkids, you know. Uh, they're of that generation now, they're bringing grandkids in. So we're getting three generations coming in and watching a film together, which is exactly what we want to do. That's what, what does totally it, what we want to do. What does it mean to you to have, to have the audience as locals that you know? What, what, how, how does that make you feel that, you know, you know people in the audience, so you've grown up with them and they've seen you grow up? It's family. We, we are a community, we are a family. We are a non-genetic family. And like things like at Christmas and Halloween and things like that, I invented, you know, we invite everybody around to ours. Yeah. <laughs> and I went to live in Preston for a couple of years, but I came back here to watch plays and films. Really? Because this is where I come back to watch plays and films. Uh, so even though I was living in Preston, I really wasn't, I didn't give it up. I wasn't away from it really. Um, People refer to that as my time in exile because <laughs> uh, I thought people tell you that oh go to the city for there's this and there's that you know this is Charlie this is paradise this is a community built paradise where we have everything we need the council are amazing they put on stuff uh, they're so supportive absolutely brilliant uh, thank you Chorley Council for your support yeah. over the years uh, and the people of Chorley who've supported us since 1986 uh, so again were you, were you born in Chorley then Estelle? born and bred 
absolutely yeah. born and bred. Except two years in Preston and then... A couple of years in Preston back. that we don't talk about. <laughs> we don't talk about. We, 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 we talk about them briefly as an explanation. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes to lose something briefly makes you realise what you had. Because you're raised to sort of think... Again, one of the things I notice in a lot of films about northern people, especially, and working-class people especially, is that success seems to be measured in moving away. Mm. Billy Elliot. You know, that's, that's one, isn't it? Mm. But you see it again and again that the only way that success is presented to a person like me is get out of the place that you grew up and get out of the support system that you've got. Mm. Whereas I count success as building something that I need for the benefit of all together around us. Yeah. Um, and is that what Charlie Empire Cinema is to you? Yeah, but we are, we are now Charlie Empire Cinema without community in it, but the community is very much in it. <laughs> it's just, it's easier to fit those words on a poster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it, the longer the words, the more yeah. space it takes up in the corner yeah. of the poster, so it was kind of one of those things as well. That makes it's got sense. a ring to it, hasn't it? It's got a lovely ring to Surely it. Surely Empire Cinema. Yeah. Well, it's what strong. we were called. It's strong. It's yeah. what we were called in 1910. Yeah. And at the moment, because we've got the real cinema about to open, but we have been 18 months off a new cinema in Charlie since 1986. I will believe it when it happens. And it's, it's easy to set up a cinema for a year. The tricky bit is keeping it going. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's the secret then, is that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure what the secret is. Uh, I think the secret is just Sheer bloody mindedness. <laughs> Don't put that in. Um, carrying on. I mean, this is what's happened in the last few weeks, was we had the big goodbye and everything, which I, I was a little bit emotional about because this is one of my longest relationships. Uh, but then it was, oh, but we've booked all these films and there's all these great films we're hearing about that we still want to show and that cinema's not opened yet. So maybe we'll book a few more films. And then Ian designed a new logo, so we're all right now. <laughs> Absolutely. It's hard to imagine what a cinema in Chorley would have been like in 1910, but Estelle painted a vivid picture for us. Right. So you've got to imagine in 1910 that the town hall has electricity, but unless you're a civic dignitary, you're not really going in there. There's a lot of mill workers. There's a lot of poverty, but it's dignified poverty. There's a lot of people working down the pit, digging up coal. And there's a, there's a thriving economy. There's lots of jobs, but none of them are very well paid, and a lot of them are quite dangerous. There's a lot of people living in what we'd now consider quite extreme poverty. And they come to this cinema. They come here, and it's like going to heaven. There's carpets, there's flushing toilets, there's electricity, electric light. And the first, film, the first films that were shown here, because of the technology at the time, very, very short, because that was the technology they'd invented at that point. The reason they started doing it was that there had been films shown in tents and burns. Unfortunately, there'd been some quite nasty fires. Mm. And... Uh, we, we used to have a theatre in Chorley and uh, it burnt down. <laughs> and there was an attempt at showing films in Chorley prior to 1909 and there was a very nasty fire. 
said no more about that. Um, but nationally, the government made the Cinemas Act, and that was brought in, I think it was 1909, you'll have to look that up. But because of that, you had to have a brick building and you had to have a sealable unit where you put the projection so that if, if the projector caught fire or if anything happened, there was the safety. Uh, you've got, um, prior to this, you've got the Frank Matchams inventing the safe theatre environment. He's a great hero of mine. He, he invents the fire curtain. He puts the fire curtain because at the time there's a lot of limelight, there's a lot of candles, it's very dangerous, there's gas, there's a lot of fires. If he puts down the safety curtain, which is a metal great curtain, the audience is protected from anything backstage and backstage is protected thus. And also the building can be evacuated in under a minute. He, he invented the fire door in effect he invented Amazing. safety and god bless him because you know otherwise terrible things would have occurred he's my hero mm. uh he, he and they are beautiful 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 decorated gorgeous venues some of which are now used as cinemas as well but this building was built not designed by frank matcham but with very clearly with frank matcham principles because you had two entrances, one exit, but we have three fire exits. Now, for 1910, this is really advanced. Nobody had heard about that sort of health and safety at the time. But this is for public safety. You've got three fire exits. If anything goes wrong, everybody's out in the street and safe. And that, thankfully, we've still got that, which is brilliant. Um, so the Cinemas Act happened and... Uh, so there was a team of Irish gentlemen and they were going around the country and they were building them quite quickly. Um, there's some that survive, uh, the majority don't, but this is quite a rare survival uh, of a building that was built as a cinema, that's still a cinema. It was purpose built as a cinema. We're still showing films over a hundred years later. Uh, it's, it's a very rare survival. But uh, by, by 1958, they, weren't, they were not thriving uh, and this place had gone a little bit shabby, unfortunately, just because uh, people were going to the new, the new cinema that's now the bingo. It closed as a commercial cinema in 1958 and the last film they showed was 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea at two o'clock. Uh, this comes up later because we showed it 50 years later and there was a chap who came in, he's called Boyd, he's a local historian, and he came and watched it because his dad wouldn't take him. Oh. So he came and watched it, finally. So he lived out his childhood dream. He lived out his childhood dream and we gave him the big poster to take oh. over. That's so sweet. 50 years to the day. 50 years to the minute, it was two o'clock, just the same. Oh. <laughs> oh, amazing. Making dreams come true making here dreams, Charlie. Making dreams come true, it's what we do. There was another little theatre in Chorley. Kados, which is Chorley Amateur Dramatic and Operatic Society, were formed in 1933, while this was a commercial cinema. They were putting on plays and they were in St George's Street in a cellar and it was a very little theatre. But that was what they wanted at the time. 
great. And they were in the Guild of Little Theatres, that was important to them. They carried on for a long time, but the cellar got a bit too small and it did flood. So they decided that there was this big derelict old cinema that they could have a go at. So it was bought with fundraising and raffles and all sorts of fundraising activity. And this was bought by Kados, the Amdram Society. And in 1961, there was the grand reopening. Uh, so it became a theatre for that time. And that was just the Amdram place for a little while. But then they started showing the odd film now and again. And the film society was Charlie Film Society. We went from, in the 50s, when this place closed, it was one of eight cinemas in the centre of Chorley. There was 14 if you added the districts. Whoa. Yes. So <laughs> many incredible. at that time, especially. And yeah. Chorley, I mean... It's not huge. It's not a huge place. It's grown it? a lot in the last 10 years. Uh, but there was a huge population of mill workers and miners who wanted entertaining, mm -hmm. because if you are here in the warm, you don't have to put the fire on at home and it costs money to put the fire on at home so that was what it was and they didn't have television then so people would come here for the affordable entertainment and to sit with their mates and be around the people they knew so they'd all come down and watch the films together after showing films on and off for a few years charlie film society formally started screening films once again in the empire theater in 1986 since then a group of amazing volunteers some long term some short have kept bringing the magic of cinema to the people of charlie after learning about this great organisation, Estelle showed Abby and Jay around the historic building. Right, so this, this, this is not, this, this, this part, we think this is 1961, but I can't be certain. But what, what I'm certain and I can show you, which is a great pride and joy, mm. this is Bakelite. That is probably 1910. Wow. Oh my God. So that's the original light switch. And it still works. It still works. Well, they built things to. They, they built this without really thinking it was going to be up for very long because nobody thought the cinema was going to catch on at the time. It was like, <laughs> ah, it's flashing the pan. So I'm going to have to say, safety first, mind your head. Okay. This was uh, this was not not built for public tours really, but <laughs> so do take care. Yes, there are cobwebs. No, they're not for Halloween. <laughs> It's so much bigger in this building than you'd expect it to be it from the outside. It surprises everybody. Yeah, it's huge. So, welcome to my world. So, this is the... Uh, now, as you, as you may... You, well, you'll know all about this. Uh, there's, there's always something going on. <laughs> this is where the magic happens. My lovely tech. Oh, yeah. And this is all old tech and we've got the little projector that we use for doing little things in the bar. <laughs> right, so here we are going into the past. <laughs> so this is one of the doors. This is a fire door. This is a 1910. No way. Yeah, this is 1910. Original brick. That's incredible. Don't hit it too hard, bits fall off. Right. <laughs> and if we come round here, we can see. I'm not going to open it because it's a, it's a swine to close again. Okay. But you might have. You, you, we've changed space here because there's no carpet, and this is this is 1910 stuff. There's a bit of modern tech bolted on, but this is 1910 technology. 
What we have here is the emergency exit. This is the fire exit. If the uh, projector caught fire or if there's any sort of problem, that there is a ladder. It's a metal ladder, not a rope one. And it drops down. It's, it's still there. We still have an escape hatch here. Uh, and that is our escape hatch for the tech. That is because incredible. if something were to happen, it, it, they're not going to get past the crowd and down the stairs. That's mm -hmm. not safe. So this is the escape hatch. So these windows, are, 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 this is all original 1910. Really? Wow, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, we, we, we know that the projectionists used to hold this door open, sit here and have a quick fag. Cigarette, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bet there's some good photos of people leaning out of there. <laughs> there's no, there's, I've been looking and looking and looking and there's hardly any photos. Oh. It's really disappointing. If you, in fact, if you do a search on Google for Chill Little Theatre, then my photos are yeah. <laughs> but you're, you're keeping history alive. So here we have another one. A metal cupboard. Safety. Yeah. Because the nitrate film stock used to go boom. Mm -hmm. It used to be, there used to be a lot of flammable materials used in the theatre. And this is the metal cabinet for safety, so that if it did go boom, that door is closed and the fire doesn't travel to the audience. Yeah. And that's from 1910 as well? I wouldn't think so. So this is what we call the green room. And if you look there, you can see that is a bit of... Yeah. That's a part of the original proscenium arch. It wow. goes up. It's really pretty, isn't it? It's gorgeous. So now, intricate. In the original news article, there is a description of the proscenium arch in the, the colours of it that it was picked out, that those roses in red and gold. Uh, and for the people who were, you know, working in Mills and the Pit, it must have been, it must have blown their minds. Mm. Mm. And, and they're seeing moving pictures and they're seeing, because they were black and white ones then. But then they go and they have this wonderful evening where somebody tells them a joke and somebody sings them a song and then they see moving pictures. So they're seeing, these aren't old-fashioned people. These are forward-thinking people. They are looking at absolutely the podcasts, the video casts mm -hmm. of their time. Mm -hmm. and, and they're seeing a film about farming in Canada. That was the first night there was a film about filming in Canada, which was actually a propaganda film to try to get people to emigrate to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so they gave it to cinemas to show for free. Wow. <laughs> It's that. amazing. And Tilly the Tomboy. <laughs> Tilly, Tilly the Tomboy uh, was an uh, absolute hit early British film. And a lot of the early British films were actually made in the Lake District. Oh, so really? not, Yeah, so there was Mitchell and Kenyon. They went and filmed everybody coming out of the mill. And uh, we, we've shown them. Because uh, they'd go and they'd film everybody coming out of a big workplace and then they'd charge him a penny to see if they were in it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like the lumiere brothers they filmed mm. people coming out of the mill yeah yeah but the the thing is with that is that they found them all they found the vault of the mitchell and kenyon wow. films and they restored them and the historians can look at them now and it's really good because dress and all the things and they know the numbers that work were and all sorts of things because like they pick out if they see Afro-Caribbean people and stuff like that mm. that people would think hadn't happened but there they are in the yeah. film and uh, we, we had uh, that they, they're starting to colourise some of them now which makes it even more clear Yeah. so you think oh it's all these grey and white mill workers shuffling out they colourise it they're wearing green and purple and yellow mm. and orange and they're at shawls 
and headscarves because like you know <laughs> up until ooh, mid 80s in Charlie if you were, woman went out without a headscarf <laughs> <laughs> they'd be talking about you on the door yeah. it's great that you've got this place to kind of entertain and yeah. chat to people after the show and well this is the public but this is a public bar Right. So this is where the money comes from. <laughs> so this is this is our public this is our public bar. There we are, uh, and we're decorating. Like I said, it might look a bit weird bringing this up, but this is this is what we do. Uh, we're getting more into that sort of thing. I mean, I, I went to a cinema for all or it, it, the previous, and they were like, oh, and we dressed up the venue and we had people in costume. And I'm like. I've been doing this since 1986. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Been doing it a long time. Yeah. Amazing. It's amazing to be stood in a cinema that's actually older than some of the most defining moments in film. Yeah. Which I think is really, really unique. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. But we would have shown, we would have shown all the films up till 1958. We, we would have been showing them, all the famous films. Mm. Incredible. Yeah. Was it was it like the cinemas in like you know the twenties where they'd be showing films all day every day? It was open twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, continuous screenings. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of continuous screenings. The last cinema to close in Chorley was on Bolton Road, and at the point it closed, it was called the one two three four <laughs> because it had four screens. Uh, it had been called various things. It was mostly called the Plaza. Uh, and that was a very big part of Chorley life for a very long time. Mm. But when I, when I was growing up, and this, again, it's different for different people of different ages. We've got people who come here now who remember when there was no television and you went to the cinema three or four times a week. And we've got that generation. My generation, I was lucky if I got to it once a year. Mm. Because compared to the incomes and compared to other forms of entertainment, it's actually cheaper to go to Blackpool Tower Circus than it was to go to the cinema. Mm. So, yeah. Really? Yeah. It was, it was like the most expensive form of any entertainment in Charlie at all. Uh, so... Going to the cinema wasn't a, oh, I've now to do, I'll bob to the cinema sort of thing. It was a very, very serious decision to be made. And uh, towards the end, which was 1986, um, 1986 was a bit of an interesting year for films generally. And it was, audiences actually picked up after 1986. Mm -hmm. But it had become so run down and uh, there were literally holes in the ceiling. So we went to the final performance, which we didn't realise was the final performance, but we went and they showed, uh, unadvertised, but I don't think I'm getting anybody into trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, but what, what they showed was the third Star Trek film had just come out. So they showed all three Star Trek films as continuous performance. Mm -hmm. So we went in at nine o'clock <laughs> and we stayed in. Oh my God. But we were the only people in there. Really? Wow. Yeah, it was so sad, so sad. Because I'd remembered going earlier in my life and it feeling so luxurious and such a treat and such a marvellous, marvellous thing. Uh, and it had 
it had declined quite badly and you just think oh well when you've got a high price and what you're getting for it so that's taught me what do people want people want to be comfortable they want to be seated comfortably they want things to work and it needs to be at an affordable, reasonable price. Uh, we have different things going on. I mean, some some of the things are more expensive than others, but that means you can take your choice. Mm-hmm. Clearly, Chorley Empire Cinema is a very special organisation, and this is largely down to the passion of its volunteers. Estelle talked about her first memories of going to the cinema and her journey through films over the years. Uh, my first seeing a film memory is I absolutely freaked out at Bambi. Because, uh, spoilers, um, <laughs> but if you've not seen Bambi, um, <laughs> if you've not seen Bambi, there is a scene in Bambi where they are cooking his mother. Mm. And he sniffs this unusual smell. I think that's pretty hardcore. If Quite you, intense. That's pretty hardcore. If you watch the early Disney's, uh, Snow White is absolutely terrifying. And if you, if you look at the original storyboards, it's absolutely really scary really yeah. really scary um but yeah bambi i uh, i got taken to bambi and i had to be removed <laughs> because i was so upset because they were cooking bambi's mother i'm not surprised yeah and where was that where which cinema was that? i think that was probably the blackburn one it could possibly have been but the the bolton road Chorley one but i'm not quite sure yeah. i think it was the blackburn one um, but that's certainly the earliest one. Uh, we went to see E.T. E.T. was a big hit and uh, that was a literal blockbuster, as in you could see the queue going around the building. Yeah. And that was a continuous performance at that time because you would get very, very old cartoons, a uh, bit of music, and they had these oil, it was like oil, and it was projected through the oil and the oil would sort of heat and mingle it was like a this thing and I was fascinated by that and I used to try and time it so that I'd be watching the oil blobs for as long as possible because <laughs> absolutely fascinated by that because it was just a visual joy of the just pure visual beauty of these oil blobs mm-hmm. and that really affected me quite deeply that but that's the thing I actually remember is the oil blobs from Bolton Woods <laughs> uh, which probably were quite old but they, they I think they used those right up until the end mm-hmm. uh, I don't remember them at Rathacalm but no but I didn't actually see very many films at Bolton Road Cinema and that was just because they were so expensive compared to what money was coming in so my experience of films came more from video because around that time you could get a, there was a chap and this chap would come with a video player in the back of the car and five videotapes so what you would do is either a family or a group of a group of individuals we would gather together in the biggest house with the biggest telly we we're not talking tellies they have now mm. but we would gather together with a house with the biggest telly and we would between us all and someone would bring the snacks and we were doing that from I would say about 1985 and that was the beginnings of Charlie Film Society was that there was a big group of us and there was all these films that we'd read in Halliwell's film guide books used to be a big thing that you learned about films from books and um Film 81, Film 82 on the telly, of course. 
but there was there wasn't a lot. So you'd you'd read about these films, but you've really no chance of seeing them mm. until you got them coming out on video, and then it would only be certain ones. And then Joy of Joys uh, f- from about 1986, you got video shops, and that was just the opening of a world for me. Because they used to they used to show two films one after another on a Saturday afternoon on BBC Two, and that that was where I learned about films, and Mae West films and lots of black and white comedies, and the I think it used to be Friday night they would show little clips of Harold Lloyd put into a separate program, but they'd never show a whole thing. I don't know why, mm-hmm. rights issues, I guess. But that was how I learned about film was BBC Two in the big, for, for years because that was really the only showing a full-length film that would happen would be, you know, um, Betty Davis films. Still love uh, Judy Garland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all these wonderful, wonderful films like Meet Me in St Louis and all these films that they probably could show quite affordably on BBC Two because they were all films. Because in the 80s, 1940, felt like a very long time ago. Yeah. Now I'm talking about 40 years ago and it, it, now, culturally, it doesn't feel as long ago. It's, it, it's a very odd thing because people made a big deal. Sergeant Pepper was 20 years old in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the the what's old and what's contemporary has become a lot more blurred now. Um, in that, I think with with um, the subscription services and the downloading, we're seeing a die off of blockbuster and the video chains and all this. But the, there was originally, um, again as a subsector, uh, Hindi films, and there would be a news agent in each town and that, that would be the Hindi films where you could get them on vi- on video and you could get them on, on video and that and I can't read Urdu so I, you know I wouldn't know what the title was but that was but otherwise no you know but all this world of world films suddenly appears mm. you know and uh, and then I would say about 86, 87, I can't say for certain, Channel 4 starts. And Channel 4 had all these wonderful film club stuff where they'd, they'd have a chap and he'd explain why the film was good. And then you'd watch the film and then he'd say some other stuff afterwards. Uh, years later, there was Jonathan Ross' incredibly strange film show. But that must have been a good eight years after that. But for people like me living in working class Chorley, shows on Channel 4 and showing things on BBC 2, that was my ticket to uh, the rest of the world. What? The outside world that was very different from my world. At Cinema for All, we're constantly encountering people who pour their lives into running cinemas all across the country for their community. Estelle told us about what Chorley Empire Cinema meant to her and to Chorley. We, Chorley is a state of mind. Uh, we do things a little bit differently here. Um, it didn't occur to me not to. <laughs> um, we do this because, in light and self-interest, I wanted there to be films in Chorley. And I could have sat like a pudding and done nothing about it, but that's not what we're like here. Um, we looked into it and we started, and uh, that was quite a long time ago now, but 
it's it's pretty much the same thing. We're doing it because we would like this to be a thing. But we didn't used to use that phrase because that phrase has been invented. But we we wanted you you wake up every day and you create the world. Uh, uh, you know, with our thoughts, we create the world. That's in the opening titles to Monkey. <laughs> Get your wisdom where you can find it. It's it's the world you create. Um, it's the people you bring around you. It's the world you want to create. It's like if you want to have a green wall, you can sit and wish, or you could paint your wall green. It's kind of like that. You know, Ab, Estelle is just one of the examples of so many amazing and dedicated people all over the country putting on films in their community. And and Chorley is so, so special as well. I've been to visit before with Ian and Eddie and Estelle and the team, and they are they are a magical group of people, and I, I really know that the community appreciates all the work that they put in. And now, you know, I've just got to go and paint my kitchen green, haven't I? Yeah, just, just do, it, do it, Jack. Just got to do it. There's two choices. What am I wasting my time I doing? don't know. I don't know. <laughs> You're right, though. Estelle is an absolute beautiful storm of enthusiasm and I could listen to her stories all day so so thankful that she shared it with us and and Ian as well got us some lovely chorley cakes and showed us all the work he does as well yeah nobody saved me a chorley cake I would like to point out I was ill on the day the chorley cakes were brought into the office and I didn't get one they sent me a picture and it's brutal I've got one thing to say to you Jack you snooze you lose don't forget to go to our website to find out more about Community Cinema Film Society's volunteer-led cinema we've got all the information on how you can do it yourself and also how you can find one near you we We will help you (laughs) don't forget to follow us on twitter at cinema for all pod we love to hear your thoughts about the episodes about films you've been watching anything you want to say suggestions and please rate and review us on itunes or your podcast listening app as that really helps us understand what you like what you don't like and also helps other listeners find us which we'll greatly appreciate but for now it's time to roll credits Producer Jay Platt. Logo designed by Lydia Lipinski at Thoughts Make Things. Hosted by Jack Chell and Abby Standish. With thanks to Estelle Briars, Chorley Empire Cinema, Deborah Parker, and Sheffield Live. The Cinema for All podcast is supported by the BFI, awarding funds from the National Lottery. Thank, Thank you. you.